This is the story of a man named Stanley. Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today is another installation of our bonus cast. This is our fifth one of the year, so we made it. Um, I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, is the homie Trevor. What's going on? And uh, returning guest, um, we got uh, Dante. What's up, man? What's good, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Hanging in there. We're we're gonna see how good I'm doing after this conversation. Oh, speaking of hanging in there, are you uh, trying to become a full time guy or? Oh man, this is like on the job <laughs> recruitment training stuff. Well, I'm, I'm just flattered. trying to see if you, you want to hit some buttons with us. I I can hit some buttons occasionally. Um, we'll see where things go. Alright, well, um, this is our fifth bonus cast. Uh, this game is... I guess who chose this game? Um, that's kind of a weird one. Chosen? This one wasn't elected the same way most of our games are elected. Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess, a joint effort. I think this was another game that Dante had already played and i think trevor had just recently played it so they were like well if you want to play it marcus then you can join us so it's a game that's been on my list i think that's kind of how does that sound right um well i had I... never played it before i had, oh, I had that... it with intentions we... of playing it so i guess this is a little bit of the um i guess they call it the bread making process or whatever sausage but... <laughs> sausage make that's right that <laughs> <laughs> um we were all kind of interested in playing that were kind of short, and we pretty much just presented the list to one another and tried to find some mutual ground. Democracy, if you will. Yeah, we tried it. We tried it. Um, well, we've been talking about it. Let's let's get into it. So We're about to make this bread. About to make this, this bread, yes. <laughs> let's make this bread. Um, so this game is The Stanley Parable. Um, I was the one that wrote the intro, so let me get into it. Uh, The Stanley Parable is an interactive storytelling and walking sim video game designed by Davey Redden. Redden. Uh, It originally released in July 2011 as a free mod for Half-Life 2. So this is another one of, uh, just like Black Mesa, this is another mod of Half-Life. An HD standalone remake which included new story elements was designed by Reedon along with a source engine modeler under the studio name Galactic Cafe and was released in October 2013 on PC and later on Mac and Linux. And I believe that is the version that all of us are playing, the standalone version. Um, While the mod and the remake use first-person perspectives like other source engine mods, there is no combat or action sequences. Instead, the player guides Stanley, the game's protagonist, through a surreal environment while the narrator delivers the exposition. The player has numerous decisions on which paths 
to take. And because at times the narrator says what Stanley would do next, the player can choose to ignore the narration and make a different choice. Every choice the player makes is commented on by the narrator, and depending on their choices, they will encounter different endings to the game. Uh, Reiden uh, envisioned the game after considering that most major games confine the user to its rules and wanted to construct a narrative to challenge that notion. And I read a little bit further that um, he was inspired to make the game based around narrative elements that were often a part of some games but never were the focus, the main focus. So, like, the quiet moments between the shooting are where he found a lot of enjoyment in games. And so that's what he wanted to focus on. Um, So he decided to build an entire game around these little bits. Um, The game received critical attention as a new variation of creating interactive storytelling within a game engine and provided a thought-provoking narration to discuss with others on the nature of choice and predestination within video games. And there's an expanded edition titled the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe um, that is scheduled to come out in 2020, which would include additional content along with, for the first time, console releases. And that is the intro. Um, how, I'm guessing we all played PC and none of us played on Mac or Linux. <laughs> That's gonna... Yeah, I played but, on PC. Uh, how did you find out about this game, or where did you hear about this game, Trevor? So, this game garnered a lot of praise when it initially released, and I'm pretty sure that's when I first heard about it, but it didn't necessarily catch my attention until, I think it was probably like 2017, around the time I was going through a bunch of walking sim games, and this was actually on my list but I never got around to it. Gotcha. And what about you, Dante? So I had heard about it, I think, through Giant Bomb originally, but I actually had a co-worker who recommended it to me a long, long time ago. And um, it's always been in my peripheral. It wasn't... It's not a game I would typically go after, per se, but I had heard enough about it that I was intrigued. So, you know, it just seemed like a good time to jump in. Gotcha. And I think I'm... Similarly, I I think I first heard about it on Giant Bomb and, I mean, other gaming podcasts occasionally would mention this game. But So it's always been something on my radar. And I think even recently, um, there was that, what, top 100 games of the decade going around that... um, who, oh, who was Polygon. that? Polygon, thank you. And uh, I kind of, you know, I think we all, amongst ourselves, we kind of like skimmed that and kind of saw what was on and what, what, you know, what we thought was... Honestly, I feel like we shouldn't be giving that list any more attention than it already got. <laughs> Being frank. Well, but... but besides that, this game, I think, also popped up on that Twitter uh, thing, that Twitter... Um, discussion like the 10 your 10 favorite games for the past decade or was it five do you remember dante uh, yeah and i i think this game popped up a couple times on some of the prominent people that i follow list on twitter so it's been something that like i've known about and i've i've, I've heard 
people I respect and um, follow talk about it. So it's something that's always kind of been on my radar and this seemed like as good a time as they need to finally play it. Um, let's see. I guess let's dig right into it. So I have... Um, I kind of l- briefly went over it in the intro, but here's the, the story of the game. Is uh, I, I, I don't sure... Yeah, yeah, okay. So this is a story of a man named Stanley. Stanley worked for a big company in a big building where he is known as employee number 427. His job was to push buttons on his computer. He was given orders for which buttons to press, when to press them, and how often. This is what Stanley did day after day. Until one day no orders came and Stanley ventured off his office to find out why. It's at this point that you take control of Stanley, sort of. As soon as you walk out of Stanley's office to search for his missing co-workers, the narrator begins telling the story, Stanley's story, as it happens. And that is, essentially, you think that captures the gist of the game? What do you guys think of that setup? Like, are you guys in at that point? So, you're kind of dropped in without knowing anything in a kind of weird way. So... It's just so different, because you start out in your little office, and you don't really know what to expect. And at the point where, I don't want to say you like really get into it, but narrator's giving you clear directions. You kind of realize, hey, I don't have to listen to this guy if I don't want to. That's when I started to get in, personally. Well, I guess even going back a little bit from that is mm-hmm. it's basically you get up, the character gets up from the computer, and then you turn around, you're in an office room, the door opens out into a larger office workspace with like cubicles and other stations, and he's basically saying like, oh, you're, there's nobody here, let's kind of go see what's going on. And from there, then you get to take control of Stanley and you, he's, he's I think he says like maybe let's check the break room or no not the break room the meeting room or something the conference room and then from there you're kind of like left to your own devices and I know well, left to your own devices in some words yeah yeah where you know you're clearly this guy is kind of nudging you along every step of the way it's just at some point, you kind of realize you can break from that path. Sure, sure. So Another so, thing that you probably don't think of until after you finish the game is, I guess, part of the big dilemma that Stanley's in is, is basically everybody's missing in the office. And so as a you know video game player, you're assuming this is going to be the problem that you have to solve by playing the game. Technically, Stanley's dilemma is, I don't have any work to do. You, the player's dilemma is, there's nobody here, what's going on? Like, I think that, I think there's two things going on. It's the, am I playing as me? Am I playing as Stanley? Do we have the same motivations? I, I think that is the, the... Now, it's been like it's probably been about a month since I played this, but from what I remember, they do a kind of decent job setting up 
who Stanley is as a character. Like he's very like stringent with his work and diligent and like it's a meaning it's a menial job though what he does. Right, but he's like he does that job to a T from what I remember the narrator. Correct. Narrator correct. Saying. Yes. And it's just again I I think the whole crux of this game is are you playing as you or are you playing as Stanley? And so when the narrator is talking to you, I think the dilemma is, is do I listen to the narrator because I'm Stanley and I do what I'm told or do I do what I want as the player? And I kind of feel like that is the, I don't know. I I feel like I'm probably oversimplifying it. I, I don't think so. I think that's one of the things that, the replayability of this game kind of lends itself to is that it kind of takes into account like each each person that plays this game is going to play it differently like it's technically a linear game but depending on who you are and some of the experiences you've had playing other games I think you're going to go about it a different way and once you get to the end it's going to kind of make you want to replay it and play it differently. I know what you meant by saying it's linear, but I got to push back and say, like, this this is one of those games that kind of subverts the genre to a large extent where... It, it, by, by non-linear, I mean it's not exactly an open-world game. There is a, a path that you follow... But there, well, there are multiple paths. Yes, but you can only follow one path. You can't turn around and like as soon as you go down a path, the door closes behind you. Yeah, it's like you get to it like you like in this game and figuratively, you get to a fork in the road, and once you choose that path, there's no going back to seeing what the other side, uh, ha- what happens if you go the other way until you start the game over. So, like, one of the very first choice you have, like, literally the first choice you have is, are you going to leave the office you're in? And you don't even think about that as a choice when the game starts. You're just kind of like, okay, I want to see what's going on. What is this place? And you, you either start exploring or you just immediately, like, leave the room and just go down the hallway. And from there, um, he... The, the narrator is telling you, hey, well, let's go to the conference room. And then you get to a, a room that has two options, two doors. And it's literally, he, he says, take a left. The conference room's to the left. And you, the player, can choose, do I want to go to the left and listen to this guy? Do I just want to go to the left because I also want to see what's going on? Or, like, no, like, I don't want to listen to this guy. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to go to the right. So, I guess, when was the first time you broke from the narrator? Do you remember? The very first choice. I would say immediately. Yeah, like, everything that he had me do, I did the opposite. Everything, not that he had, he told me to do, I did the opposite. And that's also what I meant earlier by... You know, every player who's had different experiences with video games, like I know both of y'all have played Portal. So you're used to the trope of the, um, 
uh, what's narrator. the term for it? Yeah, the unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, and that's the first thing I thought of when I heard the narrator um, in this game. I was just like, um, "This guy is leading me to wherever all He's the missing British people accent, are." Huh? <laughs> Can't trust those British accents. <laughs> it's very whimsical. That like that's the only word I could think of every time he spoke. Yeah. Uh, there's other words I can think of, but we haven't really gotten there yet. But uh oh, <laughs> um, did you did you um, veer off on your first playthrough, or did you listen to what the narrator was telling you? So I did the first thing where I left the office. I took the was it the left door that he the has? left was where he was telling you to go. Okay, I took the left door, and then we got to a set of stairs. I decided mm-hmm. to go. Down the stairs. There's a couple more choices before then, but okay. Well, I, I, I knew, basically you went up to the boss. So there's I, a boss's room upstairs. I went downstairs to the garage. Yeah. So what about you, Trevor? So what what was your first playthrough like? What talk talk me through what you so did? So my first playthrough, I basically ignored all of the narrator's uh, suggestions. I guess you could. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I got to. It was my first playthrough, so it's kind of tough to remember. But I think I got to like a, um, like a bridge or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the very first death scene. Yeah, when you dropped, you jumped off. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for wherever I was supposed to go next, and I just kind of kept walking. And you and you just walked off and yeah. fell down to your death in that right. warehouse. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll tell you guys mine, but um, first, um, the thing that I really do appreciate about the narrator, and I, I don't know if we have said this, is that he is literally like having a. I won't even say a back and forth because Stanley is a silent protagonist, but he is literally like commenting on everything you're doing so he's not only giving suggestions of like hey you should go to the left but then uh, so i went to the right and to the right is the break room he's like but he takes a right and i guess he wants to hang out in the break room and there's really nothing here to see and and like i i kind of when i got to the break room i stood around there and i was looking around just trying to see what was going on and he's commenting on like me being in there and then one of the things that I like about this game is you're going to hear a lot of the same because you're replaying this sequence, especially this early sequence, a lot. And the dialogue changes based off of like your actions. And I really did like that. Um, but uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine how they have the commentary tracks on like a Blu-ray or whatever. It's kind of like that, but it's happening in this game in real time exactly exactly um but uh i I got to that same bridge part that you got trevor and you're on like this um you know like a automatic uh platform that's moving across this gap and there's a walkway underneath it so i was like he's talking to me and telling me like hey man it's okay like i don't want you to think that i'm out to get you or anything like that and like he's just trying to tell you that hey like you should listen to me i'm telling you you know like i'm trying to help you out 
and I didn't buy it, so I dropped off the platform, and he's like, hey, you're gonna just drop off in the middle of my sentence? I wasn't even finished what I was saying, and I walked along that catwalk, opened the next door, and then there's a red door and a blue door, and he tells me to go to the blue door, so I take the red, then I'm back in the room, and he tells me to take the blue door and i go back through the red i'm back in the room i I don't listen to him a third time and then ultimately my end game was um seeing being in portal and being in minecraft i don't know if you guys saw saw those is that the one where you have to drop through you go through some like weird hotel or something there's another one that was in a hotel but I remember, like, the Minecraft thing not being the end of the Minecraft thing. So you, um, you, if I remember correctly, you do the Minecraft thing, and he, like, builds a house and wants you to get in the house. Then he's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Here, let's go to get some gems or whatever. Let's get some, let's build our house out of diamonds. So then he builds a path for you to go into a mine, and he's like, oh, I didn't realize it was this dark and deep down here and you just keep walking further and further and then you drop in and then you're in the aperture science facility that's right the beginning of portal and then uh you do that (laughs) and i really 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 enjoyed that sequence and it gave me a lot of uh i was like oh this game is doing some cool things um and i really did enjoy that and uh I I don't know. Like I, I think I got my favorite ending first or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm curious if you got the um the first ending I did. Did you go down the down the stairs at any point? Was that the never ending? No, no, yeah. I didn't I didn't go down the stairs. I, I, I went across the platform. Or when okay. I took that uh I I didn't go to the um conference room, I went to the right instead. So there was no stairs uh, I'm just saying in like a subsequent playthrough. Oh, later on. So the first time I got to the stairs in my playthrough to go to my boss's office, I could only go up. And it wasn't until the second time that I could go up or down. And then I went down and I was in the garage. Okay. And was it the never ending? Yeah, it was the never okay. ending uh, sequence. I got that sequence. I got the one that you're in a boss's office and then the, the, the phone is ringing. But for whatever reason, I don't know if you you were allowed to, but I couldn't pick up the phone. Hmm. It, I kept clicking on it and clicking, and I could never pick it up. So then, like, it sent me somewhere else. And uh, I, I did the one where you answer the the actual phone in the middle of the room that, that your wife is calling. Uh, the I guess that's the, I don't want to say canonical ending, but I was reading a little bit about it. That's the one I'm assuming you would get if you listen to all of his um, his uh, ad- uh, advice or uh, what he tells you to do. Hmm. I don't think so, because the one I'm thinking about with a phone where you talk to your wife and family involves going that route Trevor did where you um, go across, go across the bridge. That- yeah, the catwalk, and to do that, you have to take that, um, take okay. the right. Because I, I think the canon, if you follow the narrator, you're going to end up going left, going through the break room. I think you go through the boss's office. Mm-hmm. And I never, tell- so I never got through his office. I always, my game always. Oh, was, really? Yeah, I could never click on the little receiver on the door to, like, 
He tells you the code though. Like Yeah, so, I know, and I could never I didn't never knew how to enter it. You you type it in. Oh. I thought you What I was, what? I was trying to click on the receiver on Are the, you kidding me? <laughs> There's like four or five different endings that way, bro. Mm. Well I only got to his office once and I just <laughs> didn't know what to do. And so he kicked me out or like the game he reset the game because I didn't answer the phone. So I know Trevor can talk to this a little bit because I know you got to the museum, right? Yeah. Um, Which is part of that, like, you start going down that way and you get taken to the facility. Did you see the TV room, Marcus? I did see the TV, the CCTV. Where you no, like, see- I'm talking about, like, the 400 monitor. Yeah, viewing every single employee. Okay. I did see that room. Gotcha. Okay, I wasn't sure, but, um, yeah, apparently... The route we're talking about kind of takes you around that area, if I remember right. Um, that's a Trevor question. That's not a Marcus question. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Because that's not the, might... the one labeled. Actually, you know, I take that back because you go through the secret like area in his office. You go down this little elevator thing. And you get to a catwalk. He wants you to go straight. And if you go straight, that takes you to... That takes you to the... It's like a lab area. Yeah. Where I guess there's a nuclear detonation thing you can do. And pretty much he gives you the choice. It's like, oh, well, you can um, you can do this and be free, or you can... Well, he doesn't tell you you can do the other thing and set off the nuke. Jeez, what is so, game you on, guys playing? On the way there... There's also a path to the left where it's like written in blood or something. Escape. And it says escape. <laughs> and so you can start walking down uh, that way. And honestly, what I did the first time is I walked down that way. And then as the narrator's talking, I actually turned around to go back. And the narrator started narrating like something like, oh, but he changed his mind. And he started going to the right path. He started coming to his senses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that's the path that leads to the the museum because then that actually drops you into a um, like it's this like a um, automated um, compactor type yeah. thing. <laughs> and and if you don't duck, it kills you. Or actually, no, I take that back. It doesn't actually kill you. It, it like drops you down. Um, and then you go into the museum, and the museum is actually pretty cool. It's basically all of the assets from the game, like every single desk or office setup. Um, you can preview all of the sound effects from the game. All the yeah, it's essentially things. like a debug room, isn't it? Yeah, where they just have like all the models, the assets. Like, isn't there a little bit of like commentary with it too? Um, not that I remember. Is this where you meet the female voice? Yeah, like once you're leaving. Okay. But yeah, and it's and it's actually it actually has everything set up like an actual museum. Okay. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and it kind of foreshadows some stuff too because it's like, oh well, here's this other thing that you probably didn't see if you went this way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too because there were some some things that I definitely saw in the museum that I never came across in the game. 
So if you explore the museum enough, it, you know, it kind of spoils things, but then at the same time, you don't have the context. Yeah, I think in the context of this game, as in as a entire package, that's kind of what they intended. It's like it 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 asks more questions than it answers. Yeah. In a weird way, and it makes you think. Oh, how did they use yeah. these assets? Or like, where do I need and to go? How do I get? This? Yeah, how do I get here? <laughs> so that was super cool. Okay. okay. I guess we should also mention this game has, I think, sixteen different endings. Oh, that's it. There might be more. How many? How many did you see, Trevor? At least four. But I, when I was reading online, I saw that there aren't actually like there are some that aren't finite endings, like one where you can like kind of explore the broom closet. I don't know if you ever got to that. Yeah, I went to the broom closet and I stayed in there, but I didn't get an ending. I think you you go back to it. Like if you finish the game and then go back to the broom closet, it starts a different set of narration. Well, I mean, I got the narration that basically said like I was in there for maybe like IRL like three minutes in real life time, and he was basically he basically said, "Oh, the reason why you're still in here." It's because you dead, you're died, and you, a human, the, the player, you, the player, have had some type of uh, what did he say? Some system shut down in your, you know, body. I forgot what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, nervous system, and you're dead. So then he started yelling for help, like assuming <laughs> you're some lose, like person that's playing in your room with your door closed, and he starts yelling so that way somebody can come and. Um, uh, move your body before it starts rotting Mm -hmm. and then when you start moving then he says oh hello player two yeah um and then um i i think he said you can leave this closet now and then like he stopped talking and i i waited maybe 30 40 seconds and he didn't say anything so then i i left and i was like oh okay this was an ending did you did you see that one dante (laughs) or get the ending Uh... I can't remember that one in specific. Okay. I, I think... How many did you see, Dante? I think I saw about six to eight. Six to eight? Yeah. I think... I, yeah. I think I maybe saw five or six myself. Because I saw... The one we were talking about at the museum, there's the freedom ending, which is pretty much following the narrator the entire way. And... um I can't remember if you hit the button or don't hit the button or whatever, but essentially you get out of the facility. There's the, I guess, foil to that ending where you do hit the button and then it sets off this nuke and he pretty much locks down the entire facility and there's a bunch of stuff you can interact with in the nuke room and allegedly there's probably some way you can get out of there, but I think you would have to play through all the other endings to maybe get that information on how to actually solve those puzzles. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just ended up dying there. Um, I had the phone one. Did you guys have the one where it like broke off the camera from you and it became third person? No, I think I watched that one on YouTube though. So I think that one you get through. Um, you get to by going through the catwalk, and then you get to a set of three doors. I did get that one. I did get that one, and you're you're watching your character from above him. Yes. I did see that one. I got that Man. one. Man. <laughs> that was pretty good. And they keep, like, blocking off paths because you stop, you keep um, disobeying and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and he's basically like, you can move now, Stanley, it's fine. And he's like trying to tell you, like, the, the character is not moving at all. And then it just fades to black. Yep. That was yeah, good. Like um, did you guys get... I don't remember exactly the path to it, but it started drawing red lines, like, everywhere, like, as far as, like, where to go and stuff. And eventually it leads you to a um, a whiteboard with all the different possibilities and outcomes. Uh-uh. Yeah, that one... I'd like you... I'd like to say you... You might take the wrong door at the beginning, and then I think you have to backtrack or something. But essentially, he's like, okay, I see you don't like to listen to directions, so let me make this as straightforward as possible. And pretty much, he's like, okay, Stanley followed the yellow line through the office. And like he would literally like shut every other door, and you just had to follow a yellow line. And then something would glitch out. Then he's like, no, no, we're rebooting the game, so you start back at your office. And it's like, Stanley followed the dotted red line throughout the office. Then something else would glitch. So he's like, no, that door was supposed to be open. we got to reset the game. <laughs> so that happens, like, for literally about 15 or 20 minutes. And then eventually you get to this room where it, like, has a whiteboard of every single outcome. Or at least what I assume to be every single outcome. It's like, yeah, we're, we're just going to have to do a hard reset. <laughs> no, so. I didn't get that one either. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this game has a lot of variety as far as um, what you see based off of your play experience. So that's kind of why I was fighting fighting back against the linear statement because when I think of this genre, I think of like a Gone Home, a Edith Finch, even Life is Strange to some extent, where most of the game is on a path from A to B to C to D or whatever. But this one has a branching narrative to it where you technically get locked into a path at some point, but there's still so many variations that can happen on any given path that it kind of makes it feel, I don't want to say open world, but it it doesn't feel linear to me at least. I think the linear feeling I get with the game is when you're hearing the same dialogue over. And I know that that is part of the... I think the game needs the re, uh, repetitiveness and the right. repeat dialogue in order for it to work. But I think that's... It, 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 I did look forward to starting the game over a couple times. So I was like, ah, I gotta do this part again and do this part and I gotta listen to them if I want to go across this bridge. I gotta, you know, like mm-hmm. cut some of those parts. And there was very few times where there was like... Like I said, I think the only time I noticed it was the very, um, the first time I got to the staircase, I could only go upstairs, but -hmm. it was the second time that I, there was a downstairs path as well. Um, Hmm. so besides that, oh, there was an ending I got too, where he went up these stairs. Um, it was that ending where he wanted to show you something beautiful. Did you guys have that one? when you're in that room and it's just like this full color spectrum thing going on, it's like you're standing on a floating platform with a black, uh, I, I want to say skybox. And then it basically like, um, Microsoft or Apple, like, um, 
screensaver effects are going on. And then there's like a little door that you can go into on the side. And it just leads you to this like three-story staircase that doesn't have a platform at the top. And you just jump off. And he said, oh, you'd rather kill yourself than like be enjoy this moment with me and like every time you jump off the top you don't die your your screen gets like red like you're taking damage but by the time you get back up the stairs you're fully healed again and then mm-hmm. like I, I think I jumped off that thing like six times or something like that and I wouldn't die and then he's just talking to you the whole time and then finally he's like fine have it your way and then the, that one time I jumped off I did die did you guys get that one Mm-mm. that sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> It was very <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, for every... I don't know. Like, I have really mixed feelings about this game. Like, this game. Just because I... I, I obviously, I didn't see even a half of what is possible with this game. And I don't think anybody did. Uh, of the three of us, but I also don't really have a burning desire to experience it. Like I, I would be okay if I just watched somebody on YouTube go through it. If that makes any sense, I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't want to use the word love. I really like this game, but I also got my fill of it where. I I wouldn't go out of my way to chase down the additional endings. I I kind of got my fill of what I wanted from the game, and I'm cool at calling it with roughly fifty percent of the endings. Do you, and yeah, like, are you in the same boat, or you would just rather just watch it on YouTube or something? I don't even know if I really want to watch it on YouTube. Like, I'm just I was content. I think one of the joys. Of- Trevor wants to get those achievements, though. <laughs> I did do a little bit of achievement hunting, but uh, <laughs> you know how we do. <laughs> I, I think one of the joys of getting to the ending, though, is kind of following your own path. Because after mm-hmm. I actually looked at some of the alternate endings, I read about how to get to those endings, and it kind of took the fun away a little bit. And I didn't even feel like having to navigate those different pathways to get the ending. So yeah, there was a cu- couple times where I was like, should I just go watch these these endings that I haven't seen? But I was like, well, I'm still like not, I'm still playing this game, so I, I'm still I haven't had my fill of this game. So let me hold off. But like how I feel right now, it's kind of like I just I don't care. Like I don't care to keep playing this game. If that makes any sense. I guess. I, <laughs> it makes sense, but it's sad. I just... I just like... I kind of wish he'd put you back on that roof and you'd keep falling off now. <laughs> so, like... So, full full transparency. Yesterday... Like, I, I just... I, I had no desire to play this game. Like, I've only put in... I think at that point, like... 46, 47 minutes according to Steam. And I saw maybe like four or five endings. And I was just kind of like, I don't really care what this game is doing. So, like, go ahead. I've, I've got to ask, when are we going to start talking about what this game is actually about? 
let's talk about what this game is actually about because this is going to get into what I maybe why I don't care. Okay. So, so what's this game actually about, Dante? So this game is actually about the player and the game designer and how they interact with one another and mm-hmm. how games are designed. So the entire premise is essentially this unreliable narrator of sorts, the um, developer, if you will, is trying to lead you through his experience. But us as a player, and this is kind of the beauty of video games versus other medium. Other mediums are linear. When you read a book, you generally go from page one to the last page of you know the book. When you watch a movie, you start at the beginning and you go to the end. So they always know the A to B to C. They know what you're going to know. They know how every scene is going to be shot. There's no worries about like angles or glitches or oddities happening because they are fixed medium. This game is making a commentary about how difficult it is as a developer to develop a variable like experience a variable experience where you can't account for how the audience is going to behave essentially so this guy it's almost like he's a beginner developer and he's like oh well stanley leaves his office he's going to do this he's going to go up the stairs he's going to uncover the mystery and he's going to be a hero but since this is a video game and gamers are kind of jerks we're like hey let's let's not do what he says and just go off the beaten path and then you can see the narrator as a developer panicking because he's like, oh god, I didn't account for this. This isn't how I wanted the story to go. And that's where the chaos and tension starts to ensue. So that's why when you go the path the narrator suggests, you get the quote-unquote true ending. Because that is the the well, typical way that a player... Sh- sh- the, the, the way the developer in- intended for the, the player to go through the game. So Yes, and that's also why this game is really, really interesting because it goes in it goes both ways. So the narrator isn't happy because you're not following him, but as a player, if you just keep following his path, it's kind of boring. Like you're just literally just going through the routine and oh yeah, well some cool stuff happened and you saved the day, but it wasn't really interesting. So the game's actively trying to get you to go off the beaten path for that reason. Because, and you hear it when um, the narrator speaks. He's like, you need me. And then there's also this give and take where, hey, you, you the developer, need me, the player, to make my own fun. So part of it's up to the narrator to design a quote-unquote good experience for the player... The other part of the thing is on the player to find fun in the experience. So there's this constant give and take between you and the narrator and how you guys are interacting with one another. And that's why I think this game is really like... And, and to add on to that... Oh my gosh. The... He said, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I get so passionate about this. <laughs> I never heard Dante be giddy about a game. <laughs> 
Uh, I know who gets giddy, but I never heard it. (laughs) Just about this pretentious hipster art game. Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah, they also (laughs) add in that one ending where I think Marcus may have uh, mentioned it, but the narrator, it's when you're able to see from the narrator's perspective, I guess, and you're kind of looking down at your character, Mm -hmm. and the narrator starts talking, but your character isn't moving because nobody's controlling him. So the narrator actually starts having this existential crisis, you know, saying that, you know, he basically needs the player in order to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody to listen to him or just to 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 go off of. Mm-hmm. It's a perfectly symbiotic relationship between the player and the narrator. And that's how all games are when you kind of, like, take a step back from what a video game is. I see what you did so, there. Because in order to see from that perspective... Can, yeah. I, can, it, I, can, I, can I tell you something? I had no idea. Oh, man. I kind of I knew. Mm-hmm. But... Can I tell you another thing? Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, it totally does. It doesn't matter, too. <laughs> it absolutely does. I think it's really cool, and I think that it's, like, I've read a lot of reviews about this game, and it's really interesting to hear critics talk about this game versus regular Joes, because I think, I, I've ne- I don't think I've read a single negative critic review of this game. I don't think there is one on Metacritic. There's a user review that's a zero. There's a ton of user reviews that are zero. And it's really interesting to read those because I think the things that those people complain about are like, I think they, I don't want to say fell for, but they saw the scores and the, 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 the buzz around this game and then they bought it. And a lot of them talk about the value proposition of this game and like, oh, I spent $15 or I spent 10 euros or th- I got this game half off and I beat it X amount of times. And n- I don't think they were saying like beating it means that they get their money's worth. But like I saw all the endings in two or three hours and like it just really wasn't worth it. Like I'm not going to go back and play this game or um, a lot of people talked about the, 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 the value proposition with it, and it wasn't like a great value for what they, they purchased. A lot of people said that the uh, narrator is pretentious. It's like they just put like um, a quirky narrator with a British accent, and that's the, that's the uniqueness, that's the art of this game. Like it, it is funny at times, but like that is the thing that people play this game for. But that that's that kind of plays into what I was saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with with anything that you're saying that you said. I'm I'm just telling you like I read a lot of those negative reviews and a lot of people were talking about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just really was interesting because a lot of people were just calling it like a, it's a very artsy game. So they recognize that it is something that is going for something, but they weren't here for it. And if I'm gonna be honest, like I think this game does a really good job of like maybe any choose your own adventure game I've ever played. I think this game truly does allow you to do that. But some of the things that I was reading as far as like the, 
his desire to um the 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 um developer um the game designer his desire to uh construct a narrative to challenge the notion of what a player is doing and just to to uh highlight the uh the 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 the, the quiet moments in between the shooting and everything like Mm. i think that this game is a i don't know like i feel like this game wasn't built for people that do what they want in video games if that makes any sense like i feel like this game was built for critics and i feel like this game was made for people that play like triple a only and this is supposed to challenge their thinking but i i like i go into a game and i kind of want to do what i want to do and I already kind of do that. So, like, him making this commentary on the fact that players are not playing games, like, with any type of... Uh, well, it's a critique. Sure. But I don't, yeah. I don't play the type of games that he is criticizing. And... But you do. Like, Gone Home and Eve. I, I haven't played Gone Home. I know you haven't played Gone Home, but, like... I'm trying to think of like even even when we talk about the games that we play that are more linear. Like if we're talking about Lord of Shadows or we're talking about Ninja Gaiden or we're talking about Luca, where there's one path to do things, I'm still going to do things the way I want to do it. Though I'm going to use the weapons I want to use, and I'm making the choices of how I want to get enjoyment out of these games. Like I go into games and I'm. Are you making those choices, or are they guiding your hand to make those choices? Are you saying because? I'm choosing something that they put in front of me that I'm not making my choice and I'm doing what they're telling me to do. I'm just saying that your hand might be guided a little bit more than you think it is at times. Especially since it's more so a product of the genre, too, that you're playing. What you mean? So, like, just for example, Luca is a completely different genre than... Sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, the equipment or... You know, devices that you have to use in the game are going to be essentially different than something that you would use in Gone Home or yeah, 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 for sure for any other linear game. So I think that's you know going to change the way you play the game, what mm-hmm. decisions you make while you play it um, because of whatever you're limited to. And I kind of I think this might apply to Life is Strange more to you than any of the other games just because this is kind of a commentary on that um, player agency and player choice in those games where okay there's all of these decisions but at the end of the episode you're still at the same place everybody else is yeah yeah I, I definitely like and that's what I was saying I think this game does a good job of like distinguishing itself from those type of games because like I do feel like you truly do have a say in like how your end game is going to be in this game based off the choices you make I don't I think what he's going for is more of a parody or satire satire is the right word for player agency and like it's the telltale style of games where, okay, um, here's all of these choices, but 
hey, at the end of the day, everything's going to be the same, where you actively see the narrator in this game panicking when you go off of the path, and he's like, no, we are going to do a hard left here and get back onto things, or, hey, you are into bugged game territory. And that's how you kind of um, run into a lot of the interesting endings in this game, too, where you just, you completely just say F it, and he literally just didn't program to account for those type of um, player actions. And that's kind of where the game breaks, so to speak. Okay. I don't know. I guess maybe I just don't play enough of those type of games because <laughs> I the commentary on those types of games, I definitely think I wish there was a lot more divergence in the type of choices you can make in those games. And I don't like that hey, like, we're talking about our choices and our end result is very similar or not, not that different, you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, this person died in my game because I made this choice versus this person died in your game because you made that choice. Like, that's kind of... And but we, at the end of the day, we still solve the, the crisis. Like, I right. think that that's what you're saying is making the commentary on. Right? Yeah, for the most part. And I don't know. Like, I guess... I don't know. I guess I just no. don't care. <laughs> like, I, I get it because a lot of people complain about those types of um, experiences, and I don't like them as well. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't mind them. Just I kind of take the developer approach. Not that I'm a video game developer, but. I do understand. Yeah, definitely. Like, you like only the totally... logistics of everything, and I kind of. So when I, whenever I try to play those type of games, if they allow me to, I try to turn off the um, your character or such and such character will remember, remember this. <laughs> yes, because that that is the least immersive thing, and like I understand why people want to know that stuff so they can literally quote unquote game the system, but. It takes so much away from every other choice that you make that doesn't have that, you, you know... Become conscious of it. Disclaimer. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it will affect how I answer a question if I see, oh, such and such character will remember this. If I don't have that indicator on, everything matters to me. Can I, can I ask you something? Okay. So, I mean, this game that I'm about to say came out after that. But, like, even something we played earlier with Detroit, where there are branching paths, and mm-hmm. those branching paths have different consequences, and yep. I feel like there is more divergence in a game like Detroit than, like, the Telltale-style games, which I know is, yep. like, a, di- a, a, a generation after. Absolutely. Right? So, and, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I don't think um, Fahrenheit with this, was this way, but... Heavy Rain had characters that could die very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say it's a great game, but it is one of those examples of the narrative splintering in a way that most games don't allow you to In the way that we want it to. The way that we, like, the people that complain about, you know, like, this one decision is the only thing that is difference between me and your game. You get that with Detroit in a much bigger way than you have before. Yeah, and I even appreciate the fact that they have that um 
like decision tree matrix thing at the end of each chapter where mm-hmm. you can just kind of see how many different variations there are. And even though a lot of those do consolidate into probably two or three different things per chapter, you kind of appreciate how much was impacted along the way. Sure, sure. You know. And that, I, I was just wondering, because that seems like an example of, it's only, I believe it's only when you're playing Connor, when he has this little thing glowing on this, in his temple, that you mm-hmm. have that, this person will remember this part, you know? Right. And so it's only one of the three characters or whatever that you even get that. I, I was just wondering because, like, I really enjoyed, and that was, like, the, so far, the best case scenario for a game with branching paths. Because I felt like that game, like, obviously not the best or ideal, like, this is the, the perfect branching path game but i feel like we are getting there and obviously that game came out after this game so right i don't know i yeah i it's one of those things where i can't tell if it's me that just likes those types of games or do people just want to be do people like the you know so and so remember this i mean there's a reason they put it in most games, I feel like most people feel kind of, I don't want to say cheated, but people like to play games as games, even though they don't like to admit it. So, like, in a Mass Effect or something, you're always going to try and Max Paragon or Max Renegade, which kind of limits the amount of choice you have in dialogue. Because even though you feel like saying something occasionally, 90% of the times you're going to go with whatever gives you the stat points that you want that, exactly You're, yeah but i don't know like the, the difference with those types of games then uh i don't know I, I i guess i know mass effect is an example and not the mm-hmm. plenty of games do that but like with mass effect like i'm going to see both options because i like that game that i'm going to Right. Typically, when I play a game like when I play a game that has a renegade paragon or good versus evil mechanic, mm-hmm. my first playthrough, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. I'm not going to go one way or the other. So I may have a neutral character. I may have a character with a slight good lean. I might have a character with a slight bad lean. But I'm going to make decisions based off of how I feel. And then it's not until the second or third, like the second or third playthrough, that I'm like, I'm going to do an all good or I'm going to do an all character. See, a stronger games, person than I am. Yeah, I don't play games the way normal... I, I don't want to say normal people, but like I know that that is not necessarily the norm. So like I understand that. Um, I don't know. I, I just... I really appreciate what the guy is going for. I think he ultimately is very successful in what he does, because it got a lot of... It, a, a lot of critical success and rave reviews um it just i don't know like i it, it i feel like i could have i didn't have to play this in order to get this type of comment i could have read an article to and i know it wouldn't have been as effective i know that's well not... here's the thing about it one of the good things about the game is it's not a huge time investment correct so I don't feel like you should, or I don't think you should feel like you 
lost anything by playing this game. I did not lose anything by playing this game, but I, I just... And I, I, I get what you're saying about, like, oh, I could have read about player choice and stuff, but I think the thing that this game has to its advantage is that it's a game, and it one-to-one puts you into a lot of those scenarios, and maybe maybe it was a little bit too clogged up in metaphor for, you know... For the full effect to, you know... Yeah, land. like, I, I'm trying to think of, like, why did this game land with me? Like, I didn't do any type of research beforehand. I went into this game blind, not knowing, and maybe that was to my own detriment. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it just... It didn't really do much for me. And, like, I didn't understand the greater thing that was going on until you explained it. And even now, like... I'm thinking back to my playthrough, and I'm like, I get that, and I understand it, but so what? Like, I, I don't know. Like, so what for me? Like, Not so what, right. like, he's doing this thing. I want. I just wonder, because some of the... I would have lost so many details if I didn't pick up on that, and I think I was lucky enough to run into, I guess, what's called the countdown ending, which... That was the whole whiteboard thing where it literally showed everything on a whiteboard. Like, yeah. oh, after each restart, these are like the seven things that happen before you get to the next one. And I think that's about when it clicked for me. And after that, I kind of saw the game in a new light. Yeah, and so, I think maybe one of the things, me seeing that first ending that I saw, was maybe I went in thinking, oh, this is a commentary on games and just stopped at that. And not like this is a commentary on how people play games and how developers design games and like and that's on me, you know. No, I mean, every you know, art is art and it's subjective. Uh, yeah, people take away different things from art. I had some questions too. Uh, if you do, you have anything, Trevor? I, I know we've been talking over um, you. So, like, by the way, of questions or just no, just anything else that you wanted to um, add. Well, the only thing I was going to talk about was when I went into this game, the title kind of stood out to me because you don't hear a lot of stories referred to as parables. Yes. So I thought that was really interesting, interesting use of the term. And specifically more so because like the narrator has like, a, I guess what in, they call in theater, like the voice of God. And so I was kind of thinking there was going to be a a biblical reference or something going on in this game. And <laughs> I don't know, it, it of course it didn't, but I don't know. That was just something interesting I thought about this game when I went into it, that they would use that term. Yeah, and I mean, I, I vaguely knew what the word parable meant, but I, you know reading the actual definition of just it being a simple story to illustrate a moral or lesson. And this is just kind of, I guess it's a lesson to both developers and the players that they both need each other. Like one needs to set the rules and one needs to bend the rules. And that's kind of the contract we sign up for as gamers and the gaming community. So that was kind of my takeaway. I'm sure there's, there's probably a lot of different ways to interpret this game. My interpretation might not be like the, you know, actual what's going on, but that's what I took away from the game. 
So, some of my questions. I do, um, bear with me. Is this a game? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I... You know, you sent that um, angry emoji to me when I said it was as much of a game as Edith Finch Uh and Gone Home. And what I'm going to say to you is that I get... I vaguely get what you're getting at, and I understand it. But the gameplay here is making the decisions. Like, so your branches... Your deviations, or whatever you want to call them, that is kind of the gameplay. Which, granted, I understand if you don't want, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's literally making a left or a right. But <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the genre. It's either like, hey, I'm walking up this flight of stairs and looking around for books, or, hey, I'm going to go and navigate my way through this parabelt. Terrible of sorts. So okay. I've got a question for you, Marcus, after after that question. What's up? What's up? Didn't you want to play Virginia? I don't know anything about Virginia. Okay. Um Maybe not. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a big red line just <laughs> went through Virginia. Um so it it it's not it's not that I don't think this game is a game. It's just I'm I'm I've been listening to some of our older episodes and I don't really remember the game, but I think you guys in particular disagreed on something where I think Dante said that... A, Are we talking about puzzles? Not puzzles. <laughs> I I think it was whether a game has to be fun or not. And I think that you, you Dante, said... I can enjoy a game that isn't fun. I... I, I I th- yes, I did say that. And I think Trevor kind of And I can't remember what sound. game that was. Yeah, I can't remember the game either, but I think Trevor made a sound. Uh, like, I don't know about that one, my guy. Um, and I was... Game. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it too. And I, I think... I can't remember. Was it Gardens Between? No, it had to have been older than that. I think it was older than that. But again, I can't think of the game off the top of my head. But my next question was, is this game fun? I know it happened this year, so there's only so many podcasts I was on. <laughs> um, what was the other game that I... Um, there's Gardens Between Luca and this? Because I, I think it was Gardens Between because I think my argument was games don't have to be fun, but I kind of don't enjoy this game that much. That sounds right to me because I remember I, like I, I ended up bringing up Schindler's List, which is that is correct. one of my you favorite. Did bring, you did bring that yep. up, where that, that's one of your favorite movies, but it's not something that you enjoy. I could watching. not, I could not go back to that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, my next question is: Is this game fun? The, I thought it was. There are fun aspects of this game, like I think the fun parts of an action game are what makes it that genre but in this game because it's not an action game that aspect isn't really um viable yeah definitely but i think where where this game picks up is in its humor um it's you know the the whole paradox 
I don't know. Yeah, I think this is one of those where you have to look at the sum of its parts because, like, if you just jot it down on paper, no, the gameplay itself is not quote-unquote fun. You're not hitting a lot of buttons. You're not getting these giant rewards, so to speak. But you doing your actions coupled with I will go ahead and say this is some of the best writing I've seen in a game. Like, whoever did the script for the narrator, they deserve a raise. They absolutely <laughs> Um, But just when you couple your actions, the narrator, and how they are able to subvert even your subverted expectations, I think that's why this game was so enjoyable for me. But that's not to say that, you know, like I said earlier in the episode, I got my two hours in. I don't have any desire to go back. I got my fill. Mm-hmm. But my two-hour fill was enjoyable. Was fantastic, yes. So, like, that's the thing that I'm... Internally, that's the, the struggle that I'm having. It's like, I recognize that this is a game... And I also agree with Dante that not all games are fun. So I think this is a game, but I... You know what this is? This is like an art museum of sorts where some some hipster artists are going to like just have the greatest time in there. Other people that, you know, they enjoy art go in... But, you know, they're not like, oh, well, this is, quote-unquote, an enjoyable experience, per se. But, nonetheless, it was something they gained something from. Does that make sense? I didn't want to be condescending when I said that. If anything, this is... (laughs) Like, I was going to say this is Dadaism, but Trevor, (laughs) I don't know if you get that. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like commentary on modern it's this really... is the banana <laughs> this is the banana um duct tape to yeah, the wall yeah um so I, I looked up like the definition of a game and like i think these are really do apply to this so i'm I, this is me not arguing that this is not a game this is me in fact like saying like this is a game but a game is a system in which players engage in an artificial conflict defined by rules that results in a quantifiable outcome and another definition that i got is a complete episode or period of play ending in a definitive result. And there are endings, therefore it's a game, I guess. Um, but like, I think Trevor kind of lost me a little bit because it, it, he's right that this is not like an action game where you're, you're having fun in the day to day or in the, in the, in the task to task. But like, I think, what it sounds like Trevor was saying is he gets enjoyment out of experiencing this and not necessarily that the thing is fun, but I'm also thinking like, if I'm enjoying something, am I having fun? And that's where I'm at right now where I'm like, there are parts of this thing that I enjoy, but I don't want, I wouldn't consider this thing fun, but that makes me think I'm being hypocritical. No, I don't think that's hypocritical. Because I think I enjoy the writing, or like you said, I enjoy what the narrator is telling me. I enjoy the very first ending that I got. But, like, the 
getting the actual going through the paces of getting to that part was not fun and not in, enjoyable to me. It wasn't fun when I was like, I'm playing a game that is commenting on the fact that player choice is important and I can't hit buttons on this computer and I can't open these doors and check out this stuff and I can't explore in this game. And I know that that's not what the game is not. That's not what the game is for. But like, I'm already like not being able to do the things that I want to do in this game. (laughs) I mean, I think that's kind of like how I felt with, um, uh, brutal legend. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, um, uh, like turn based or not turn based, but like real time strategy aspect games. of it. I didn't care for that part of the game, but there were a mm-hmm. lot of other aspects that I did enjoy. Definitely. Yeah, and I guess as somebody who plays a lot of games, there are definitely a lot of titles I respect, and I know they are good for the genre, but I do not necessarily enjoy. So, as somebody who at least used to write reviews for games, um, I find myself in a hard place where I know I, I'll i give the game one score despite me feeling that it should be lower, I guess. Does, does that make sense? A little bit. Sometimes I, when I think about games and like I think about when I go back and play this game, and, I, and sometimes I overrate replayability. Mm-hmm. Or I, I over like I, I let it way too heavily in how I feel about a game, and sometimes on the opposite, like just how much fun I had playing a game. Whereas like like a perfect example is like um, especially with games we played this year, um, I really think um, I don't think I'm going to return to a game like Hellblade. I don't think it's a bad game at all. I enjoy the time that we played, but I don't think it's a game that I need to play again. And versus a game like Barkley Shut Up and Jam, where I may not play that game again, but I had a lot of fun playing it when I did play it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think both of those games are good, but I have way more in my head, like and in my heart, like I have way more feelings to one game than another. And I feel the same way about their replayability. But like the main thing I'm going to say about Hellblade was like, it's good, but I'm not going to play it again. And I wouldn't say that about Barkley, which even though I feel the same exact way. Um, I have a couple more questions. I'm sorry, I sidetracked. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you like what the Stanley Parable is doing? Trevor, you want to go I first? That's the thing that the thing that makes this game. Like it's. I'm pretty sure both me and Trevor are pretty into it's, what it was it's doing. It's very so. aware of what it's doing, and I think it it leans in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. To to um backtrack to your previous question a little bit, if you're not into what it's doing, then it pretty much isn't even a game at that point. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're not sold on the whole, like, oh, this unreliable narrator um, is guiding me through this thing, and there are multiple endings, and I need to play the game multiple times, then you're going to end up with this 20-minute experience, and then you're going to leave a zero on Metacritic about it. Mm -hmm. 
So I do feel like you have to kind of, I won't say be engaged with what it's doing, but at least be open to a it. little bit, <laughs> yeah, open to it and a little bit cognizant about it. Okay. Um, do you feel like it's necessary what it's doing? What the, what it's trying to say? Do you feel like it was needed to be said? I definitely don't think it hurts. Yeah, I think I was saying this on like the uh, Barkley Shut Up and Jam episode. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's, everybody has a story to tell. And this just happened to be this developer's story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. And do you, okay, do you feel like this, and this is, I guess, us saying this, so not necessarily being insiders or anything like that, but like, um, do you feel like what it did changed anything and made an impact? I mean, obviously we're talking about it and people have talked about it, but do you think that it made any type of ripples in the industry for what it was setting out to do? Or do you think that it didn't set out to change anything? Yeah, I don't think it set out to change anything per se. I think it was just kind of making sure people were, I don't want to say people were aware of it, but like... It just wanted to start a dialogue or a discussion. Yeah, I, I think starting a discussion about, like, this kind of messed up thing we have in games about, like, oh, we have all of these very linear things and the player can ruin it any time, but that's also what makes games beautiful. So it might have been a little, I think it might have been a quote-unquote both sides type of message where, you know, it's saying, hey, developers, don't get too frustrated when people don't follow your beaten path and, hey, um players don't get too mad when you try to do stuff and stuff doesn't work. So um, just to go back to this article that I had up um, where I was like, so uh, Davey Redden, who created the original mod, said he was inspired to make a game based around narrative elements that were often a part of some games, but never the main focus. The quiet moments between the shooting are what he found a lot a lot of enjoyment. Um, That's usually where you find interesting little bits of of a narrative uh, in an experimental game, kind kind of hidden amongst another game. It was almost a shame that it was even there, and that's when he decided to build an entire game around those little bits. And um, he says, I think people that bring a lot of themselves to an... Ex- uh, wait, wait. While the game is not likely to change the gaming industry tomorrow, nor was that the intention, uh, they, they say that it, perhaps it could be a reference point for future developers about what is possible. And he says the change in the industry comes from talking about it. It gives another reference a point that helps the conversation. And then they cited uh, Journey as an example of a game that took a risk on something different that really impressed him. And it's a game much like the Stanley Parable that can't be easily defined. And he says it adds vocabulary of the industry. And I think that's how change will come. So I think it's like kind of like he may not... Indirectly, be responsible for people to think about. Well, his game may not directly be responsible for people to make changes in how they approach games, but somebody may be inspired by that and take it to the next step. I guess, or you know, like I, I guess that's what he's saying. 
He says he hopes big developers begin to lose the fear of experimenting with new ideas and new concepts and have concepts and taking risks with the technology. Hmm. So it's like kind of like he is doing that thing, but he's saying he's not doing that thing and he wants other people to do the thing. <laughs> kind <laughs> of, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um I think uh, I, I actually had the only other question I had, which we all kind of said is, uh, do you feel like you'd return to this? And I think we all kind of said that, like, at least right now, no. But, like, do you think this would be something you were, like, maybe five years from now, you're like, oh, like. I see what you did there. Boot this up or say that again? I see what you did there. What you mean? I don't even see what he did there. there. I don't either. There's an achievement for not playing the game for five years. Oh, I had no idea. I did not look at the achievements. <laughs> Trevor's just outing himself. Trevor will, apparently. So, I'm, I'm waiting five years. But by then you'll be able to play the Ultra Deluxe and get all those other achievements. Man. There's also an achievement for playing it for an entire day on a Tuesday. Oh, the only achievement I got was uh, you can't jump. And I tried to jump. And that's when I realized this game wasn't for me. <laughs> there was one achievement to knock on the door or I guess try to open the door to 430 yeah, times 430. and yeah it's it's more than just clicking on it five times you did that? yeah you know he did yeah I know well, well, no, Silas is saying so everything it, it basically goes into this thing with the narrator like He's kind of incredulous, like, are you serious? You're just doing this for the achievements now? And then he says, just to make this a little bit difficult, I want you to find this door and go knock on it 20 times. And then he's like, no, now I want you to go into this door and knock on it 100 times. So you're basically running back and forth around the office for about 10 minutes before you actually get the achievement. See, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you for Trevor, adding that the, to your game. The, 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 the nitty gritty. No, the game designer is making a fool of Trevor. Pretty That's much. what I appreciate. Got him. Uh, Alright, well, I don't really have anything else for this game. I don't know, do you, did you guys have anything else you want to add? Um, I've got some questions. If Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, Trevor, did you have no, anything before? it. Okay. So, okay, I have one statement and then two questions. So one thing I want to say is I looked up a game with um, commentary tracks or a list of games with commentary tracks, and I am very intrigued into trying one of them. Don't you say Dear So, Dear Esther has one? Yeah. Okay. So the ones that I saw on the list that um, interest me were Ratchet & Clank. Half-Life 2 apparently has one. And then The Last of Us also has one, so I'll probably be... I'll probably try it with either Half-Life 2 or The Last of Us, if I was to guess. But, um, okay, the two questions. So, if you could have one action in your life be narrated every time you do it, what would it be? So, essentially, any time you're doing this action, that um, whimsical voice... Actually, it doesn't even have to be that voice, it could be anybody. Do I hear the voice, or does everybody else hear the voice, or... Let's say you can turn the voice off if you don't want to hear it. But but can anybody else hear the voice? 
Yes. You well, let's say that's also a toggleable switch of sorts. You either have to have one one or the other or both on. So somebody is hearing the voice at all times. Whether it be you or everybody around you or both, essentially. So I got one. Okay. I need Vin Diesel to narrate whenever I'm getting in my car and drive. <laughs> I didn't even think about having a person. I was just trying to think of like where I'd be okay with people talking while I'm doing an activity. <laughs> I think I definitely, mine would definitely be while I'm pooping, but I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it would be hilarious. So since we both have the same like irrational bathroom <laughs> thing where we don't like anybody else in the bathroom, would that just be like, Go away now. Marcus is in there. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Don't you dare. I don't know because I'm not sure if it's like, because if it's just talking to me, then I would probably be cracking up. But if other people can hear it, then it's like a, a warning. Like, especially if it's like, you know how like you have friends that want to embarrass you. Mm-hmm. And if there's like, yo, he's stinking up the place. Don't nobody come in here for like 45 minutes. You know, like <laughs> Something like that, then I think that would be hilarious, but also very embarrassing. <laughs> Just like you walk out of a, like a business Christmas party, and it's like, and nobody walked in there for the next twenty five yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Diesel just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> he actually has a little bit on his draw still. <laughs> what would be yours? So. You bring up a good point of, you don't, at first I thought it would be something like I was good at per se, or something, you know, that I do a lot, so I was like, oh, well, it'd be cool if I had a narrator at the gym, but then I realized how pretentious that would make me, just inherently, like, oh, well, he ran 10 miles, blah, 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 (laughs) he's still running, look at him go. He had an extra juice today. (laughs) Yeah. Don't mind him checking out that chick over there while he's on the treadmill. <laughs> That's problem. Yeah, so um I I thought this was going to be yours, but I'll use it for myself. I think cooking would be kind of fun to have a um narrator for where it's like, "Oh, well, um he reached for the paprika, but then he decided to go for oregano instead. Ooh, this needs more salt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, can you imagine if you were, like, oh, what if it was eating, and then, like, oh. it was on, and then you go to, like, a potluck, and then it's like, oh, who made this? <laughs> <laughs> who made this Ooh, Karen should have stopped. <laughs> oh, man, I was thinking of, um... You know, me being indecisive as I am, being at like a restaurant and then just narrating the thought process I have while oh, I'm trying yeah. to figure out what I want on a menu. I could go for the chicken. Dang, I had this last oh. time. <laughs> but well, it's... Betty already went for the chicken. Oh, yeah. It would definitely either be pooping or eating food. Those would be my... <laughs> I think eating food would also be hilarious in a like public setting. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, it's okay, guys, but then oh. they hear the narrator in my head. <laughs> bro, bro, if they started throwing in, like, onomatopoeias and started, like, smack, 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 every time you, like, <laughs> be like Batman up in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So the second question was, what game 
would you like a commentary track for? Is this when you say commentary? And I, so I asked this earlier, imagine like a movie. So when you say commentary, <laughs> <laughs> so not really like you a mean narrator, like but more so. somebody that actually had a hand in creating the thing, or like, am I getting see like? In this scene, we wanted to set the stage, and like, or like, are we talking about somebody just commenting on my actions as I'm playing? So, you know, we could do one of both. I was thinking more developer commentary, like, "Hey, well, yeah, this is how we decided there should be seventy bad guys in this room." Okay. Originally, we had like sixteen. Gotcha. Um. Hmm. I feel like it can't be a game that I play a lot because I would get tired of. Like, so it couldn't be a game like Dead Cells. Well, you could turn it on and off. I mean, it's not like this is a mandatory thing. This is just a option you enable on a menu. I would say Bioshock Infinite, and, hmm. and that's mostly because, like, before the game came out, I was following it like super closely and trying to find like all the development blogs and and videos and everything to to hear how they created or came to the decision to put certain things into the game funny you should say that because the bioshock collection allegedly has a it developer does. commentary because i have it dang now i gotta choose well. a different one <laughs> <laughs> um i think for me i would probably choose a sports game that i play i don't want to say regularly but i do play uh like, on an annual basis, so that way it's kind of, like, going back to here, like, not that, like you said, not that I have to have the commentary on all the time, but uh, something that I will get enjoyment out of, and the the two games I'm thinking of, or the main one I'm thinking of is Punch-Out! Like, I think it would be cool to know, like, what was the inspiration for certain characters, why they chose to have... Um, characters weaknesses what they were like i i heard i saw a thing actually recently it was like on bald bull like if you punch him when the guy in the background is camera flashing you get an automatic star and like things like that it'd be really cool um and then the other game i was thinking of was um like a nba uh street or nba jam where I, I think I play maybe jam more often than street, but I, I play those games kind of like at least once a year, twice a year, and um, it would be cool to hear like stories while you know about that game. So mm-hmm. Punch Out would probably be the main one though. Punch Out's a pretty good choice. I'm I'm kind of surprised you didn't say something like Marvel versus Capcom because I just love. Every time Virgil went on screen or something, they just explained, well, um, we decided he needed this tool. And... Yeah, like, I was thinking <laughs> about games like that, but I felt like it was, like, I was thinking about, like, Overwatch, right? Which there probably mm-hmm. is commentary track, but I really don't want to hear them talking about balancing. And I feel like that would be a big part of fighting game stuff. And yeah. I didn't, don't want to hear people's justification for why they broke a character or nerfed a character. Mm-hmm. Um, the the game I actually was thinking was Donkey Kong because it was super fascinating to I think that to what the 25th anniversary article you linked me yeah like, seeing the moves that they left on the drawing room or what they call it the drawing bo- drawing dang what 
We're we're mixing up our metaphors right now. I was gonna, right say, I I was gonna <laughs> say drawing room floor, and I was like, that's not right. And then I was gonna say drawing board, and I think that is the right phrase, but it just sounded wrong. But things that right. they left out of the game, the attacks that Donkey Kong would have had, it would have been crazy to see, like what those would have looked like. I obviously that we got to see the, the sketches of the animations and like what they were gonna do and why they were good and why they were bad. But, like, seeing things like that in a game that I've played hundreds of times would have been really cool for me anyways. But then I would want to know more about, like, all the future games as well. So that's why I said Punch-Out, because it's just, like, a one game. Like, I only really care about the one. Super Punch-Out is cool. Punch-Out for Wii is cool. But the only one I really care about is the first one. Mm-hmm. Huh. I guess for myself, I, I kind of had two answers. Like, my technical one would be either Metal Gear Solid 2 or Metal Gear Solid 4, because those games are just so dense with the amount of stuff, weird stuff they have in that game. Like, Metal Gear Solid 4, you have an I Snake has an iPod, and that iPod, can you can find literal mp3s on the ground that have like pseudo developer commentary on certain parts of the game but everything is weird and like relevant to the world it's almost impossible for me to explain without like you having played those games don't worry about but it but there's just <laughs> so much fascinating stuff and like metal gear solid 2 like there's literal ice cubes at one point in the game where if you shoot them, they start to melt slowly or something like that. And there's just so many details in that game that you would never notice unless somebody, like, had them on record or on file. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a good one. And my other one, which is now escaping me. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Forget I said anything. <laughs> no, I. Oh my gosh, it was an older game, but I can't remember what it was. RPG. Like I would be fascinated to find out more about like Final Fantasy VII and the development process for that. But um, Kingdom Hearts. No, well, see, one of those would be fascinating just to figure out like the business behind it and like how did this ever come to be? Why? Is because it- there's like the whole alleged story of. Oh well, Disney Square, um, Square and Disney in Japan work off of the same like work out of the same office, and literally two of their head honchos met up in an elevator or something like that, and that's pretty much how that game got created. Hmm. So, why is Goofy it, or why is Donald so goofy? Why is why does Donald have the strongest magic in the <laughs> Final Fantasy universe? Be like that, man. It's yeah, white privilege. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what what's the um? You, you say you can't remember the other one. No, unfortunately. Right. You guys got anything else for Stanley Parable? The Stanley Parable. Great game, great experience, Dante. I would say great game, great experience. Great game, great experience, Trevor. I'll say good game, good experience. It's. <laughs> It's not my favorite of the games we played this year, but you know, every game can't be. Um, it's not uh, this game. 
Well, I was yourself. Say, is it a game? I had an experience. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't even justify a response. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have our. I mean, at least between me, Trevor, and Greg, we're gonna have our rankings for the year. Or not? I, I shouldn't say rankings because we're not saying like just our list. How about that? Our list. Um. So we need to. We need to. I don't know if you've been thinking about that, Trevor. As far as like our um, favorite games that we've played for this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I started it a couple months ago. Should probably update it. Gotcha. I've been updating it as we've gone. Like, like I, I, I made my list, like, I think in September. And I've just been adding the games that we've been playing since then. But this, uh, honestly, the Castlevania is the game that I'm not sure where I need to put. I think I have Stanley Parable where I am fine with it being. But uh, Castlevania is, I don't know where to put that. I played 19 games. With the show this year, that's a lot. Who am I? Petey Almost one every other week. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> um, where can people find you at, Trevor? You can find me online, um, most platforms at Lyric Unsung. Where can people find you at, Dante? People can occasionally find me streaming at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Potato Salad, facebook.com slash potato salad. And you can find us on Gmail at mischeckpoints at gmail.com, Twitter at mcheckpoints, Facebook and Twitch at mischeckpoints. And don't be afraid to leave a review, preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can appear higher in the leisure category. Um, we have a couple of I mean, I'm going to make a, a full announcement, I guess, game announcement on the December episode. But we do have our list of games for the t- beginning of 2020. Um, so the month of January is going to be a fan-voted month. Uh, so we're going to bring on two fans and we kind of... Uh, we chose games and let them choose between those games. Um, and then... The rest of the, you know, February, March, and April are going to be dedicated to each one of us. Um, But, yeah, hit us up on one of those Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, or Twitch and let us know what you want us to play. Um, We're down. Uh, Let us know if you want to be on an episode. We're down. So uh, just hit us up. Uh, You guys got anything else? All right. Well, we're missed checkpoints and we're out. Peace.